Hello, everyone. And my guest today is a B2B SaaS marketing leader with more than a decade of experience focused on high growth companies. She has experience marketing and selling to large enterprise clients like Walmart, Eli Lilly, the Home Depot, Nestle, Dell, Lockheed Martin, and also the SMB and direct-to-consumer markets. In her role as CMO, she owns go-to-market strategy, drives demand gen, and account-based marketing strategies and helps build brands as category innovators. We are super excited to have her with us. Please welcome Leela Gill. Leela, it is an absolute pleasure having you with us on the podcast cast today. And maybe before we start, you could also tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Jesse, for having me. I'm very excited to be on this podcast today with you. A little background about myself. I actually started as an engineer and then I turned into a marketing leader. I like to tell people that I've been a SaaS-based B2B marketing leader my whole adult life, which is almost true, but a little bit, you know, early in my career, I started in engineering and I ran a manufacturing plant. And that's a whole nother episode probably about how that (laughs) fell into my lap. But I'm based in San Francisco, California, and I've worked as a marketing leader for many different verticals, including fintech, retail tech, HR tech, martech, and uh, currently healthcare tech. I really enjoy working in these growth companies. For me, it's a very creative and I would say courageous process because early stage companies go through those ups and downs and it makes it very exciting and you feel like you have a direct impact on the success of the company. So it's, it's a great place for me personally. And beyond my work profile, I'm a mother of two boys. I am married to a social worker turned surfer, and I am very active on two nonprofit boards in my community. So that's a little bit about me. You do a lot. (laughs) And um, I think we're going to benefit from the very wide variety of experience that you have. So let me ask you the first question based on your experience, which is actually a great intersection, which is how can small and medium enterprises maximize their investment in MarTech? Yeah, I love this question. I, being an engineer, you know, you'll hear me lean into process and analytics a lot. I think the very first thing I recommend for marketing leaders is really to make sure you have a process around alignment before you even think about your tech stack. Make sure that you are aligned with your partners in sales and in product and even in finance. And really make sure, and what that means to me is that you are all on the same page with respect to things like your ideal customer profile, your target personas, your value proposition, and that, you know, those fundamentals are are in place. And I find a lot of times, even even I was just talking to a a marketing um, director at a very large company today who just started at this large company, you know, about six months ago, and we were talking about value proposition and and whether or not he understands that how the ROI is for them as a you know as a marketing person within this company and he's like yeah I'm not really sure I've been trained on how to actually calculate the value proposition and so first step in the process is really to have an alignment. And then I think the second step is to make sure your basic tech stack is working properly and What I mean by that is, you know, first of all, for me as a basic tech stack, as a marketing leader would be, you have a marketing automation tool that probably syncs with your CRM. You have lead sourcing tools like Seamless or ZoomInfo that are really helping you 
find uh, your personas within your target accounts. You have website tools like WordPress or Google Analytics. You have SEO tools. And there are other tools like project management tools and maybe you know customer success or ticketing tools that you need. But that's the basic tech stack from a marketing perspective. Obviously, I forgot about Zoom, but everybody has, you know, you have to have that webinar tool as well um, today, but that's the basic tech stack. And I think that you need to be, the second step is making sure that that basic tech stack is actually working properly. So for example, Often I come into new companies or these companies where the integration between, let's call it Salesforce and HubSpot or Salesforce and Marketo is not working properly. And so, so I'm going to cut you in there and ask you to elaborate a bit. So how do you know that this tech is not working for you? I mean, what are the signs that you look for? Right. So the signs that I look for first is whether or not you have a subject matter expert that knows the tool right? So do you have people that really understand how to use that tool to its fullest capabilities? And secondly, I would say, are you using that tool every day or at least weekly? So do you have people that know how to use it? And is it a, a basic must-have for your day-to-day -day operations? That's that's how I would start to evaluate. Again, you know, I'm talking about small to mid-sized companies, larger companies, you know, I've seen their tech stack and they have very expansive tech stack, different, maybe a different set of criteria if you're looking at somebody that's, you know, 500 million to a billion dollars in revenue. But that's what I would do as my my first steps in understanding whether we're using this the tech stack properly. That that's absolutely great advice. And you also talked about, you know, understanding whether it's generating results. So in your experience, have you used analytics in a creative way? Any examples? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, first of all, I believe in metrics and making sure that you have a solid baseline for your metrics. Like you understand how many meetings are getting booked. I mean, this is really easy stuff, right? But it, you'd be surprised when you at some of these smaller to mid-sized companies, how everybody may not be measuring the same number of meetings or conversion, you know, especially as it relates to the relationship between marketing and sales. And, you know, are your sales qualified leads actually being accepted by your sales people? So metrics are really important and having a baseline around those metrics, then you've got to look at tools that help you can, you know, optimize your conversion around those, those metrics, right? So conversion metrics around website traffic, for example, that's a really easy one. Everybody, everybody sort of understands conversion on your website, conversion on landing pages, conversion on paid ads. But what I find is sort of missing in this process of looking at analytics in a creative way is that a lot of people don't know how to set up good tests and good experiments, right? So they measure, but they don't actually do proper experimentation. And what I mean by that is really isolating one or two things that you're going to change over whatever that time period is. Maybe it's a two-week time period where you're looking at a before and after and really understanding whether those changes are helping to drive better conversion. And to talk about, just to wrap up this particular question about, you know, how I've used analytics in a creative way, I, I'm not sure it's super creative, but one of the tools that I've used are 
you know, website heat mapping tools like Clary or Crazy Egg or Hot Hot Jar or even Google Optimize. Mm -hmm. um, and I've used those heat maps to really understand how people are moving on the website. Where do they get stuck? Where are the friction points? Where do they leave? How long are they on the homepage? Do they go to the book meeting link? After you know, so really using those heat mapping tools to analyze where your your friction points are on your website. I think that's the most creative answer I have for you on that. <laughs> well, Martek is kind of you know Picasso with some really strong boxes to draw into. Yeah. Um, so we also talked a bit about you know before you actually get into the tools and the MarTech piece, we need to have alignment across the team. And do you have advice, like if for a young company, what would be the process for planning the marketing efforts? And, you know, what do you think? How do you go about that? Yeah. So there's two questions there I'm going to tackle. One is an alignment question. And the other one is about, you know, planning the marketing process. And I'd like to talk about the alignment process first, because I think it's so critical to success for marketers, especially. And when I talk about alignment, I'm not just speaking about salespeople. I'm talking about alignment with product and even alignment along the with your CFO, for example, and making sure that you're all measuring the same things, right? So with respect to alignment, I think it's very important to have regular touch base meetings with your sales team or sales leader. So in our case, for example, we meet every week. Um, I probably talk to my VP of sales once every two days, if not more often than that. And then formally presenting to the whole sales team, you know, here's what we've done in marketing and, and hearing what they need, just being very open and listening to their needs and being responsive. And as somebody that's helped close deals, I understand the pain and the pressure that these salespeople are under. So I think that is a really important element of being a good marketing leader is understanding and being empathetic with the sales team and being aligned around that. And then the other thing I want to mention about alignment is aligning your organization around your product launches. And I think you know, I'm a big fan of David Sachs, who has this podcast, or I think it's a, a webinar or something that he talks about how to build your SaaS army, how to create your company as a SaaS army. And he talks about how product and marketing are very aligned in a quarterly cadence where you're launching a new product every quarter, whether, you know, and maybe you have one large launch in the middle of the year, but then um, every quarter, there's something else that it gets launched. Maybe it's a small feature, but it gives the salespeople things to talk about and keep the energy out there. And I really believe in that process as well. So when I'm joining these new companies, I try to instill that quarterly cadence, aligning with the product team and also aligning with the sales team. It's perfect in terms of the planning of marketing efforts and I like the emphasis that you put on alignment with sales. So I have a follow-on question, which is, do you think the traditional funnel is still relevant? <laughs> I love this. This is funny because I no, I don't think the traditional funnel is still relevant, but it's really hard for us as marketers to let go of MQLs and SQLs and ungate all of our content especially in 
these smaller um, smaller to mid-sized companies because we don't have anything else to justify, you know, our existence, if you will, mm -hmm. to the salespeople. And we really are partners to the salespeople. So I do believe that the traditional funnel is not relevant. Like everybody knows the stat that in B2B, 70% of buyers are doing their own research and they know everything about your product before they even ask to have a meeting with you. They've seen demos, they've heard about you through, um, you know, maybe their networks. So the traditional funnel is dead. That said, I would say, you know, you still have to gate some content um, and you have to balance what content you provide for free versus what content you might want to gate. And in general, you know, gating more sophisticated content, maybe research reports, um, things that are go into a lot of detail, maybe a case study that's, you know, pretty exhaustive that goes into an ROI calculation. Those, those types of content could be gated. And then of course your blogs and your, your other types of content are ungated and you just have to hope to drive traffic to your website using that ungated content. I think it's reassuring for me to hear that the traditional funnel is kind of on its way out because you always feel guilty, right? <laughs> yeah. For the effort you put in and then it's just out there. Um, yeah, and I think I think we struggle. I mean, I, as we go into 2023 and we go into 2024, where you know I think cookies are going to be obsolete, we as marketing people are are going to struggle with how do we measure ourselves, and um, you know I think that's why we're starting to see this trend towards customer marketing, community building, you know, and really moving in a direction to use your customers as your best advocates. So, you know, that that's an interesting point where we're counting on the customers now, just not just for business, but really also to help us with marketing. And um, in many organizations, there is a bit of an overlap now between marketing and the customer experience. So, in your view, what does the intersection of marketing and customer satisfaction look like? Yeah, this is a great question because I think there's a whole emerging area called customer marketing, right? Where everybody is doing, they're building communities. As I said, they're um, have, everybody has their customer conferences. They are leaning into their customers as thought leaders, promoting them as speakers at, at conferences outside of their own events. And um, I think that marketing is really starting to take ownership of the customer experience, you know, and especially in these small to mid-sized companies, I think as a marketing leader, I wanna make sure that there's a good customer success process in place. Right. And that I get access to customers and I'm talking to customers and that that feedback is going directly back to the sales and, and customer success and product teams. Um, so I think that it's an emerging area. Customer marketing is, you know, for those for those larger companies, they already have people allocated 
to managing the customer advisory board that they're putting together or planning those customer events. But if you're a scrappy early stage company, it's you, you got to get a lot more creative and um, engaging those customers in lunch and learns or providing roundtables for them specifically to meet each other and benchmark and create some communities within your own circle of customers is are, are some ways that you can start to build that customer marketing um, strength. And do you see increasingly marketers being called upon to manage the customer satisfaction? Not yet. I, I am not seeing it myself, but what I am seeing is marketing people feeling a lot of ownership. Again, talking about the small to mid-sized companies, I see a lot of marketing leaders in those companies taking ownership for making sure there's a customer success process and making sure that um, those customer stories are being told correctly. And um, yeah, so I see yes. marketing taking ownership in in that way mm -hmm. with in the smaller companies. Yeah. So, you know, I once wrote a blog post on how, you know, if marketing does its job really well, you don't know, you don't need sales anymore. And that kind of ruffled a lot of feathers. <laughs> um, and typically, you know, sales and marketing are often at loggerheads. So you, on the other hand, have written and spoken about, you know, sales and marketing harmonization. So what's working for you? What would you give as advice to people who want to play nice and work in a more collaborative way with their sales and marketing partners? Yeah, so for me, I have always been a partner to sales because when you're a, a growth company, you basically marketing and sales are measured the same. Like you're both getting measured on whether or not you're delivering pipeline and, you know, converting pipeline. So I'm helping the salespeople with, you know, making sure we have those ROI calculations and that they're all trained, you know, on giving them the sales enablement tools for example, designing battle cards and training them on, on things like overcoming objections, those things that in a larger company might be in a sales enablement organization, I'm finding um, that I have to take on as a marketing leader and make sure that those things are, are being um, implemented within our, within our own sales team. So I've always found myself being a partner to the sales leader because ultimately we're all being measured on the same thing. We're all getting the big bonuses at the end of the year based on whether or not we we hit the targets. Um, and like I said, I think one of the keys to success in making sure that you have that alignment is making sure you're meeting your sales team and your sales leader at least once a week, if not on that, and talking about the um, so, you know, for example, one of the things that I used to do is um, like it, it was kind of a little painful, but we really go through the SQLs and whether or not those SQLs have, are accepted. We classified them as sales accepted leads or sales rejected leads and talking about why something was rejected or accepted and then taking that back to the whole marketing team and really refining 
our process so that we're driving more of the um, accepted leads. So Leela, it's been great speaking with you. And before we wrap up, I just wanted you um, to answer a surprise question, which is um, if there's one thing you wish you had known when you were starting your career, what would that be? Oh, that's a great question. I think how important alignment is and really focusing on the big picture. As a marketing leader, you need to be aligned with the C-suite, your CEO, your, your sales leader, your CFO, your product leader. Like you're in the middle of it all, right? As a marketing person, and, and you can use that as an opportunity um, to really drive alignment. And I think, you know, what happens is people get heads down in doing activities like getting content written and producing videos and looking at their conversion on their paid ads and can sometimes fail to realize how important that alignment process is. And I'll just end it with a quote. I don't know who said this, but I heard it at a conference. Being aligned is more important than being right. And I always loved that quote because I it really speaks to what I think is important in successful companies is, is getting that alignment correct. Thank you. And that's an amazing way to wrap up this discussion, which I think has focused a lot, not just on the mechanics of marketing, but also on building a harmony within the organization and how marketing can enable that, which is really, really nice to hear. So thank you so much, Leela, for joining us today. And um, it's been a pleasure having you on this podcast. Thank you, Jesse. I really enjoyed it. And I'd also like to thank Comveva for sponsoring the podcast and making it possible.